Welcome to Food and Loathing, which I like to think of as a tangy schmear spread all over the everything bagel <laughs> that is the Las Vegas culinary scene. Jesus. Yeah, baby. I am your host, Al Mancini. Returning to claim her co-hosting hat trick is offthestrip.com food writer, Samantha Gemini. Woo, thanks for having me. Good to have you back three weeks in a row. I know, right? Yeah. This is turning into a thing. I'm okay with that. a regular thing. I like that. And providing audio excellence as delicious as the food we're about to discuss. Think of him as the Marconi of macaroni, the Paley of paella, the Murrow of the munchies. Uh. I can, of course, only be speaking of Mr. Rich Johnson. Yes, baby. Thank you very much. The ace of alliteration. <laughs> How are you, sir? Wonderful. Cool. Um, so, the where where'd we go? Sorry, saw that drop. Chatter. <laughs> We're chattering. <laughs> We're chattering. Can't you yes. tell? And, uh, <laughs> we are coming to you for this episode from Sidel's in Bellagio, which um, may have the most underappreciated location within this stunning resort. We've got an entrance in the corner of the Bellagio Conservatory and then reviews of the gorgeous Bellagio pool deck from inside. Yeah. I mean, this is just this is just a very kind of happy place. To a little go, little you know? PDR back here too, as you love to say. Yeah, a little private dining room yep. in the back, so they keep us out of the way of the paying customers, the respectable <laughs> yeah. people that that come to Bellagio so frequently. Um, but no, I do love this place. It's kind of cool because they're going to be having um, that conservatory that we walked through. Um, they're going to be doing private dining in there, as we've yeah. been speaking about for a few weeks, and that's going to be really cool. Sedell's where we are right now is going to be. Um, doing, I guess, the brunch menu that they yeah, have there. Yeah, $75 per person. I want to do brunch in the conservatory for that. Yeah. Let's do it. I think I'm going to have to talk to my friends at Bellagio and have them book both brunch and dinner for me for Sue's birthday coming up in February. Yes. And like just do just it all. Just a perpetual. Oh, my gosh. Because that is her happy place. Whenever yeah. Sue is in a cranky mood or whatever, we take her to the Bellagio to Conservatory, and she just yeah. she gets happy. Well, you need a room, How do you too, not be? Of course we'll get a room. Yeah. Get a room. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. The main reason we're here is because I want to talk bagels with our friend Sonia El Nawal, who will be joining us momentarily. Um, but as always, we're going to kick off this show by giving you a glimpse into what it takes to cover the Las Vegas dining scene, which more than anything else really boils down to visiting as many restaurants as bars as you can <laughs> each and every week. Oh, yes. Chatting with the people who make them special, consuming as many of their creations as possible, and boiling it all down to highlights we hope everyone will enjoy, all in an effort to help you find a restaurant or bar you're going to love. Uh, it's a delicious job. You won't catch me complaining about it very often, but it can be exhausting at times. I mean, you know, I was thinking about this. I probably visit at least a dozen restaurants every week, maybe as many as 20 some weeks, most weeks. Oh, my 20 God. Whoa. So I don't know. Um, I'm not sure about my colleagues. How about you, Gemini? How many restaurants do you hit Oof. in a week? You know, I'm not cooking nearly as often as I should. I'm probably up to anywhere it was probably five on average before. I think I'm up to eight to 12 on average now, even if it's just to pop in, have a bite, have a drink, see what's going on, see something new. Um, but like you said, I'm, I'm not exactly mad about that. <laughs> no, it's, it's not bad if you could find the time for it. And um, I don't know, I'm actually... I don't have the stomach to eat that much. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but I make got, the best of it. You got to learn to not eat everything they drop. You Correct. Eat, take one bite of every dish, but Correct. don't eat everything. That tends to be the best, oh, best way to go. I don't have the blood sugar to do that anymore. <laughs> well, I do not have, well, I have too much of a waistline. You know, I was actually, oh, this is please. how bad it's gotten. Like, you know, for all these years, I saw the older food writers and, you know, they'd be like, oh, skip the foie gras or whatever. And like I figure out, you know, my friend Robin Leach was always going to yoga and, you know, just trying to stay in shape and maintain these things. I was actually online today pricing home exercise equipment. Right. I hate gyms with a passion and I hate hanging out in them, but I've just got to do something. You I, can't I was one of those uh, COVID uh, electronic bike purchasers. <laughs> And uh, now John uses it far more than I do. And I think I'm just going to start going to Pilates. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking treadmill. I, I'm like, I can oh, walk. Yeah. yeah. Like anybody can walk. Absolutely. I mean, those bikes make me feel like I'm being, you know, having prison sex. <laughs> when I oh, yeah. Ride on them. Well, but we got a, uh, a rower at home because Joanna <laughs> oh, I loved love it rowers. at the gym, but it was always a line for yeah. it. So I said, well, we'll buy you one and we'll kind of slam it in the guest room somehow. And it's there. And she uses it a lot. I used it uh, twice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I go to the pool. You keep eating out the way that you're getting invited out these oh, days, God. and you're going to have to get on uh -huh. the road. Man. I know. <laughs> and when it's not 110, I'll be out walking again. We have a good walking neighborhood. Yeah. 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 There's about, what, maybe four months a year that you can walk outdoors in this, <laughs> oh, in this no, city no, no. without being miserable. Anyway, um, so this is the time when we talk about all those great meals that get me so fat. So, um, Gemini, where have you been this week? Oh, my gosh. Um we well, I mean, we started with Milos last week. Yeah, Milos last week. That was, that was awesome. Uh, so, did the lunch special there? Yep. You want to talk about some of your favorites? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, this, the the zucchini and eggplant special they sent out with the tzatziki and the the uh, saganaki cheese. The Milos special. Oh, oh. Yeah. so much fried deliciousness, but it's so light. <laughs> like I don't know how they do that. How do you make something so fried and so crispy and so light? It was yeah. beautiful. Um, and yeah, I mean, we did the pre-sphix and, you know, the fish I had was beautiful. Um, I loved their Greek yogurt. I loved the, um, um, oh gosh. What did yeah. We, what did we do? We did. Do we have the, a list. We, yeah. <laughs> you had the octopus to start. I yes. did the meze plate to start. Um, both were excellent. I thought, um, we certainly, I wouldn't have needed to get both of those if I knew they were going to send out the Milo special, but it was yeah. all part of this, this, um, three course, uh, you know, prefix $38 lunch and then yeah. an extra $19 if you want to add the wine. Um, we did pretty well without adding supplements. You did the octopus. I did do the $10 octopus, supplement. Yeah. Um, so that would, you know, $48 for the three courses, including the octopus, which is a great dish on that end. Um, you did the sea bream, which is the dorade. Mm -hmm. I did the wild salmon with the Santorina fava beans. I had that yogurt. They make oh. yogurt in-house there, and it's just so You can amazing. see it hanging in the window. <laughs> yeah. It's just beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and then you had something that I've, I've had it, but I would not have remembered I had it if you didn't order it. The um, caryodopita? Close. Is, yeah? yeah? How do you say that? Yeah, you did pretty good. It's caryodopita. Okay. Are you Greek? I am. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have such a great track record with Greek food writers in this town that I've worked with. Um, but hey. Hopefully I can fix that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was cool. That's sort of a... Uh, yeah, it's a walnut syrup cake. And um, it was how they could make it so delicate and fall apart and hold together and still have a lot of unctuous bite. It was perfect. 
And then, you know, do you want to talk about, I, I don't want to get into this this week, in fact, but, but since you're here this week, and I'm not sure if you will be here when I'm able to dig a little deeper, let's at least tease it this sure. week. We saw our little, they, their yellow lobster friend that they had in there. <laughs> and it went over fairly well on social media, but not 100% well. There's yeah. still people who are a little pissed off about it. So the, to bring Lindsay you up to- Lindsay the lobster. Lindsay the lobster. <laughs> and they called it yellow. To me, it just looked like a cooked lobster. It looked yeah. orange to me. Yeah. Like as if they'd already cooked it, but it was in the tank walking around. Yeah. Like two and a half pound lobster. Yeah. And, um, you know, they said this is a, a yellow lobster or a banana lobster. One in 30 million that are brought mm -hmm. ashore are that color. And, you know, apparently some people on my social media feed are like, this is so rare, you shouldn't eat it. It's a disgrace to eat something that's that rare. I, first of all, I don't want to like give anybody shit, even though I disagree with them on that, because <laughs> anybody who is being concerned about sustainability and about not eating endangered species and, and having some respect for the oceans, I applaud you all for sure, that. Sure, absolutely. You know, I just don't necessarily think that a birth defect in a lobster I, is something we need to protect. Um, probably makes it, if the thing were to breed, it would just pass on a gene that would make its kids more likely to get eaten by a predator. Like, But in the long run, there's one out of 30 million, yeah. you know, and you pull 30 million lobsters right. out, then you're going to eat one of them. But, but here's the thing, like, like you said, it's not a rare species. It's just a defect. Um, if it was a rare species, I might be on the other side of it, but I'm, I'm with you. It's just, it, it's just a lobster. But I have reached out to Mr. <laughs> Rick Moonen. I've reached out also to the Monterey Bay Aquarium and oh, also cool. to some people. Um, and I haven't gotten a response. Rick's responded. Monterey <laughs> Bay is a little short staffed right now. I'm not sure if I'll hear back from them. Uh, also reached back t to this, um, college on the East coast that somebody, I think red lobster or somebody donated <laughs> a, a yellow lobster to them and they have it on display. Cool. And I want to ask them like, why the fuck don't you just eat it? Um, and we'll see if <laughs> there's a good reason. Right? I think so that's great. I'm not sure if you'll Send be here butter. when we have that conversation, but we, I'm teasing that. So. Absolutely. Trying to get some opinions on there. Um, any other good meals that you've Yeah, had? so um, we went to Mama-san, which was the pop-up by Chef Christina Nguyen um, via VTK at Palms at Green Street Kitchen. Um, I don't know any details, um, but my understanding is there could be more later. So that's awesome because right now that pop-up is over. It's done. Yeah, she's heading to Montana, I think, for a while. Yep, month she's going to take yeah. some time. And so hopefully we get to see more from her again. Um, we went to um, uh, Harvest Divine Elegance was doing a pop-up brunch at VTK this weekend. Uh, probably the best shrimp and grits I've had in a long time. And really? It could Whoa. be, here's the lobster again, it could be the lobster butter that they included. <laughs> It could have been the perfect cook on the shrimp. It could have been a lot of things, but so it was... So that was at Vegas Test Kitchen. Yeah, Vegas Test Kitchen. Is so that hopefully a one-off we'll or are they going to be back there? They did a few weekends, um, so hopefully they're going to come back and do some more. Um, we also went up to uh, Pine Dining this weekend. Uh, we went to uh, Chef Justin Hall's uh, thing on Sunday. We did the Chef's Table version of it. Um, and we took with us uh, some wine from Garage East and Kelly Som, and we took some goodies from Milkfish Bake Shop and just kind of spent the night up there and had drinks and snacks with friends after the meal and well I'm glad you brought that up. I was up there on Saturday, yep. um, and that I had a lot of fun up there. It was great, and I, I did talk to Justin Kingsley Hall. Um, I'm not going to play that right now. It, it, it was cool. It was great seeing him and speaking to him. But what I do want to play right now, that yeah, we have please. the time, because I want to remind people that all of these pine dining things are being done for a charity. Yes. Uh, this one was being done for Cupcake Girls, mm -hmm. and I actually spoke with a representative of Cupcake Girls, and she brought me up to speed on what their mission is all about and why they were excited to have 
have Justin choose them as the charity. So let's just hear what she has to say. The Cupcake Girls is a non-religious nonprofit. We offer resources and advocacy to sex workers, as well as working in the prevention and aftercare of sex trafficking survivors. Our motto is to love without an agenda. So we empower our clients by telling us what they want to do, and we give them the tools to succeed and be the best versions of themselves. So do you know how Chef Justin got involved with the cause and um, why you guys are, were chosen yeah. to be up here? Um, I'm very new to the organization, but my coworkers did let us know. Um, Justin Hall actually has worked on some projects with us before, adamantly supports the Cupcake Girls. Um, so when we heard news that he chose as his charity of choice, everyone in the office was super ecstatic. <laughs> We ran around and did a few little things this week, but the other thing is I did Shanghai Taste this week. I needed some soup dumplings in my life. Um, I love their uh, scallion oil noodles with soy. Perfect. Shanghai Taste is a phenomenal restaurant. They're located in the Shanghai Plaza, mm -hmm. right there on Spring Mountain Road, pretty close to the Strip mm -hmm. on Spring Mountain Road. Um, good luck finding a place to park if you go to prime <laughs> hours in there. Yeah. Uh, but that's pretty much what you could say about everything on Spring Mountain Road, except the Sparrow and Wolf parking. Right. Um, but I digress. Uh, well, cool. Sounds yeah. like you had a very tasty week. We did. Yeah, thank you. What about you, Rich? I realize F&B is not your full-time beat. You also spend a lot of time chasing UFOs and reporting on the happenings at the plaza. Yeah. But a guy's got to eat, so where have you been eating? Kind of a stay-at-home week. We did get takeout from, and I'm always forgetting how to pronounce her name. Is it Natalia's? Nadia's Secret Kitchen. Natalia's Secret Kitchen. Natalia's Secret Kitchen. Noted to be forgotten for next time. <laughs> uh, the excellent Thai restaurant. Uh, Lake Mead and Rampart. I love uh, that always, always get the pod Thai, which is excellent. I have a pro tip, though, when ordering online, they offer you extra meat for extra price. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Okay. I do that, but what I do instead is... Uh, I've got shrimp in the freezer, and I'll pull some of those out and fry them up and then put those in the leftovers. You cannot have too many shrimp in your shrimp pot <laughs> top. So you just spike the noodles. Yes, basically. exactly, okay. on my All own right. time. Uh, we went for something I'd never done for takeout before, the crispy fish, which... And it did, it did kind of work out. Okay. Maybe it was not as hot as it would be if you got it right to the table. And it was a little bit of assemble yourself situation with their sauce. A lot of finger work to get all the fish off the bones. And they had a few good-sized chunks of fish fillet that they sprinkled in there as well. I don't know if okay. that's how it always is done, but at least for the to-go version, it, it worked out. I've I, got to say, Natalia's, I, it's been a long time since I've been in there. I don't get in there often enough, but um, you know, every food writer I know in yeah. this town, every chef I know in this town, it kind of raves about that place. It was, it, it I've moved never around had a the, bad meal yeah. there. And it moved around the corner about, what, a year, year and a half ago. Yeah. And Aromi is now in the old spot and then down uh, past... Uh, uh, Nani's and, and a pizza place and a computer place and a, <laughs> a nail place and all that. At the end of that strip mall is, is Natalia's. And it is on the Neon Feast app mm -hmm. under yeah, top yeah, um, yeah. Thai restaurants. Highlight of the home cooking was uh, what do we need to use up ragu? <laughs> Had about a half a, about a pound of a spicy Italian pork sausage in the freezer, half a jar of red peppers that needed to go, a couple of onions that needed to go. Can of San Marzano crushed tomatoes, garlic tomato paste, uh, basic uh, basil from the garden, some better than bouillon beefy concentrate. Uh, I would have, would have put in some wine, but we didn't have anything open, and I didn't want to open a bottle just for Good. Like you that. wouldn't have finished it? I know. I did, but we, I think we had done a bottle the night before and the night after, and so uh -huh. I just put in this uh, little bouillon stuff. Just put it all stop. Just straight through. Put it all in the Instant Pot, <laughs> boiled up some farfalle, and dinner was served, and lots of leftovers. On the... Uh, fast food, junk food place. You ever been to Farmer Boys? No, oh. and I have real no real desire to, but <laughs> often know. the places you bring up? Yeah. It is not so much fast food, it is a counter thing, and they have a good-sized uh, 
sit-down spot. And they also have a, a, a drive-through window. Okay. But it's uh, cooked to order. Good-sized uh, burgers. There's seven farmer boys around the valley. Uh, breakfast or burgers and sandwiches. I went for a double cheeseburger. It was very good. The fries did disappoint. They are my least favorite kind of freezer mm. fries, the ones that are uh, all mashed up and extruded into oh. fries. The The goal is crispy on the outside and, and kind of fluffy on yeah. the inside, but it doesn't take much of an overcook to get crispy all the way through, and that didn't work. Service was great. I asked for a little side of mayo. I got that. Next time I will try the three-egg breakfast, which is served all day. So uh, more, places, more places need to serve breakfast yeah. all day. I'm going to look ahead and say it's Joanna's birthday and our 31st wedding anniversary uh, next week. We yeah. have You're not bringing her to Farmer Boys. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to. to it. We're going to catch at Aria. <laughs> oh, oh, lovely. And Beautiful I will tell you all about that next episode. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge down there. The <laughs> <from> MGM. <laughs> uh, I got to say, Rich, I love it because, you know, sometimes I read those food, food boards and people give like in-depth critiques of places that I'm like, who the hell would ever spend time critiquing Farmer Boy? <laughs> but then but it was come helpful. in here and there I, we go. I you learned are, something new you're already. Dedicated, <laughs> yes. I'm, I, I write tight. You, you're doing, man, you're doing that that section of the populace good, man. I yeah. appreciate and, it. And you, know, you ask the question, how many places do you go out and eat in a week? And I always come up with either like one or two or three. Well, that's all I really admit to on the show. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. So this is the high end. Farmer Boy yeah. is definitely at the high end of some of the other places you've eaten. Good to Contextually, know. Contextually, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, my turn. I had an incredibly busy week, so we'll stick to the highlights. I attended the grand opening of the Cabinet of Curiosities in Bally's. Um, we did, it's a weird little um, immersive bar. And an even more immersive speakeasy next door. It's definitely about you go in, you have the experience. Um, the speakeasy is called The Lock. But, you know, it's it's downstairs in Bally's, which I haven't been to since, mm-hmm. you know, John Avella used to run their sports book. I used to go down there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you go in, and it's kind of like one of those creepy museums. Everywhere you look, there's like, you know, maybe a bird skeleton on the yeah. wall and like a Oy. fossil over here and some, uh, you know, weird shit. And they all have numbers, and it's not really an app as much as it is a... Um, uh, web-based, but on your phone, you know, okay. you, you open up the website and you type in the numbers and you learn a little bit about all the shit you're looking at. Right? Okay, so cool. That's something to keep you occupied while you're getting yeah. slowly, you know, intoxicated, I'd say. Yeah. I cool. think that sounds like a grand idea. Really cool bartender there that I met. I forget where he has worked elsewhere, but he's just back in Vegas. But, you know, a guy who really knows the craft. Okay. And that's important because a lot of times you go to these things that kind of look like tourist traps or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, they don't really care about their bar staff. But this is not that. This is not like, you know... I don't want to trash like a Harley Davidson cafe or something, but you know, I'm just saying maybe they don't always hire the best mixologist, but I was impressed right. that they had a team that really seemed to understand, you know, the, the craft of the cocktail. So it's not just about the draw of the either potential tourist or, you know, somebody who just wants to check it out for the once because they live here. Cause yeah. how often do actual Las Vegans go to these things? Right. Um, but they actually have something to offer. That's good. And then if you make a reservation, you can try to get into the speakeasy. It's called the lock. You pick up the phone, the slat in the door. They ask <laughs> if you have the reservation, you come in and then you've got to crack the code to one of two doors that'll ah. get you into the speakeasy. It's sort of like a, um, the opposite of an escape room. I was going to say it's an <laughs> escape room for the really stupid or slow. <laughs> Right? Um, like, you don't have to be very good. Like, the goal is to get okay. you in there into that back room in, drinking really yeah. quickly. And, you know, it's a cool, cool vibe in there. So, 
cool place if you want to check it out. Um, I also I returned to Ada's Wine Bar. No secret that this mm. is my favorite James Trees restaurants. It's where you see the most creativity, where they take the biggest chances, and yeah. I love all of that. Yes. I was that close to going there, but we went to Natalia's instead for takeout. I might have to go to Ada's this afternoon. <laughs> Man. Well, a few highlights to tell you about. Um, the, the lamb tartare, I think, is new. Uh, the, you mix in the capers, the mint, the chili, the lemon, all in. at your table. Um, they had these corn ribs. They're like almost like eating I ribs. I had those recently. Like somebody took a, um, you know, took a, a knife to a corn on the cob and yeah, just yeah. peeled it off, and they they curl up yes. as they cook. But they are glazed in like this. Um, where is it? Miso honey butter, scallions, Aleppo chili. Ugh. I also had a crab cake with a really tiny one on a hush, par- hush puppy bun. So it was like a really weird little tiny slider. Oh. Uh, they've changed the presentation on their salmon roulette. I think they also changed the um, ingredients a little bit. This time it was smoked. Ooh, I think I'll they used to try to it. It's poached. Um, and then the gambas, the, the gambas aio, which yes. are just amazing on that thick, crusty James Trees bread, <laughs> sopping up all of that juice, and you're just losing your shit, and it is awesome. Um, so that was amazing. Yes. Uh, we already spoke about my meals at Pine Dining and about um, my meal. What was the other one? Milos. Where we Milos. had our lunch. Yep. Milos. I have been spending a lot of time at Red Rock recently. It's close to my house. They have a lot of great restaurants and great places for dining at the bar. I do like dining at a bar. I do. You know, it's, yeah. It feels so yeah. much less formal when you sit down. So this time, Sue and I had a light dinner at the bar. Um, we had a margarita pizza. We had some great sugar snap peas with chili and garlic. We had the tempura squash blossom stuff with regatta. Um, this and, is at Osteria Fiorello. Yes. yes. Um, and Fiorello. served with what they call a sauce batuto. I actually had to look that one up because batuto is really almost like the um, the base of a lot of Italian cooking. It's basically like the mirepoix. Chopped, like the mirepoix, yeah. exactly, right? So it's the onion, celery, carrot, and garlic. This was a sauce that they put over this. And I'll say the difference between these squash blossoms uh, that they were just like, say, much sloppier than some of the more elegant ones that okay. you have at a place like Nicole Brisson might do a really elegant one. This was just, just kind of like felt like something you get if you were at um, San Gennaro. No, more like the San Gennaro <laughs> okay. festival. Just, I mean, really good. Amazing. You know, that sloppy is not a bad thing no. when it comes to food. Uh, but then the dish that we had that I really want to talk about, it's a pasta dish, and I was eyeing it, trying to figure out if I wanted to order it. And finally, they were just like, we're just going to bring you one out because you got to see what this is about. Uh, it's corn... Caramale, caramele, C-A-R-A-M-E-L-L-E is the type of pasta. Okay. I'd never had this before. And it looks like little caramel candies in their wrappers, I, right? With the little whoa. twists You're teaching on the me ends. something today for so, sure. And so it's stuffed with this sweet corn filling. Um, the wrapper is the pasta, but it looks just like a little candy. And then they served it with pickled blueberries and basil. So a very sweet pasta. That's amazing. The Jeez. sweetness of the blueberries, the acid that's in there, the herbs from the basil. Um, you know, one of the things that I don't like about this restaurant is there's not enough Mark Vetri craziness going on in there. Like this is Mark <laughs> Vetri's, this restaurant at Red Rock is Mark Vetri doing very familiar dishes for sure. the most part. Those of us who remember Mark Vetri from when he was at the top of the oh, palms, yes. every dish was a work of art and something creative that you've never seen before took you on d- crazy journeys. This dish was the closest that I've had in Asteria Fiorella yeah. to one of those Mark Vetri journeys. Um, it it's not for everyone. It may not hit the spot that you think you're going for when you walk in there, okay. but it is worth buying a plate of it to split with your friends and just say, wow, yeah, I never had a pasta like this. This is pretty I'd wild. I'd like to try that. I'm not usually a sweet flavors kind of person on, on, on the get. I'm usually a savory person, but, you know, pickled fruit, basil, 
I, I, this could be interesting. I'm going to run over there, yeah. And I'm a sucker for using sweet corn as an ingredient and really playing <laughs> yeah. up that natural sugar in mm-hmm. corn. I, I love that. Uh, I also paid a visit to the new Tokyo Vice Den pop-up that Centauri is running at... Um, I keep saying hello, kitty, kitty. It's not. <laughs> yeah. it's, um, here, kitty, kitty. Exactly. Here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, well, there's a lot. There is hello, kitty shit all there over is, that place, there right? Is. Um, so here, kitty, kitty is sort of the the um, back room speakeasy that you have to find in the middle of the food court over there at Resorts World. And they, I guess, you know, they're doing promotions with various people. A couple months long, Suntory's in there now. I can't tell you whether, I, I haven't been to Tokyo probably in about 15 years, and that was at the tail end of two weeks in Asia. I was there for three days, but this place looked on the surface, like some of the little dives I okay. went into, into like um, in Rapongi or whatever that neighborhood was. Um, so yeah, definitely it brought up that vibe of, you know, young punk rock me, you know, slumming it and in Tokyo, hungover after 14 days in <laughs> Thailand. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And Centauri, Centauri's doing some interesting mm-hmm. cocktails in there. So check it out. I think they're going to be there till the end of October, or at least until sometime in October. So check that out. And finally, since it is a million degrees outside, can we talk about ice cream briefly? I made it finally into Sorry Not Sorry on West Flamingo. <laughs> and I was so blown away that I went back the next night to try two more flavors. Have you guys been? I have not. I was supposed to go, and I forget what happened, but... I went on the way over here to record, and okay. I had a uh, cookies and cream, and it was very good. Very rich. Very, very rich. Yeah. Like that. My thing about ice cream is the same thing about I have on breakfast places. Show me you can do basic bacon and eggs over easy. Then we can talk about your wacky uh, flambés and omelets <laughs> and, and Belgian waffles and all that. Show me you can do a basic chocolate or vanilla and show me how good that is before you put all kinds of shit in it and there was nothing on the menu i asked is there just a straight up chocolate a straight up coffee a straight up vanilla she said no no but you could have had coffee with donuts i didn't they want do coffee, do coffee with and donuts, donuts. <laughs> I, I had actually had coffee and donuts earlier today from I, Box. <laughs> look, I say get creative with ice cream whenever you can. Mm. I remember the first time I discovered Ben and Jerry's in the 80s mm. and yeah. Terry Garcia and fell in love with it. I would say sorry, not sorry. It's not as crazy as like a Ben and Jerry's. Um, they did they do some very subtle flavors, but they're not basic. They're not usual. The first night I brought a couple different flavors home. Uh, I brought rose petal. I think mm. it was like rose petal and And it didn't taste like soap? Uh, well, you know, it tasted like your grandmother's perfume in a way. Uh-huh. But, or like that smelled, but Sue wanted that one. Yeah. Tried to that. to, to uh. their credit, it's a fairly small menu, like maybe a dozen flavors. Okay. So they're putting some effort into a few things, yeah. not doing 40 different yeah. flavors. No, and I had some fantastic flavors. I'm drawing a blank. They're not all in my notes. Um, we did order some kind of crazy berry cheesecake. That one okay. was a little nuts. You know, they mixed the cream cheese into it. It was not so much as a as a pure ice cream base, but yeah. the flavors that I had that were just, you know, legit regular ice cream flavors, like I, I did like a cake batter flavor. And, okay. you know, I, and I, like I said, I went back, tried different flavors. I think the place is fantastic. Really, it's the quality of the ice cream, not so much yeah. the weirdness of the flavors. Yeah. I do think that they do show you that they know how to make fucking great ice cream and then they just take it to a little bit of a creative level and i'm loving it huge line the second night that i went back they seem to be crushing it locally owned um and i'm gonna maybe try to see if we can find those guys track them down and get them in here let's talk about ice cream yeah coming up in the news a local special at carver steak sky high partying returns to the palms and guess who's cooking life is beautiful but first it's bagel time this is food and loathing 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast, restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. As promised, it is bagel time here at Sedell's in Bellagio. And our guest for this segment knows bagels better than um, just about anybody I know and makes bagels better than just about anybody I know, except I'm not going to insult Rich's wife there because she makes some good well, damn bagels. Well, you know, no. um, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I am speaking about, well, let me give you the whole intro. Our guest for this segment was born in Libya, raised in Lebanon, and later in the U.S. She has worked in top restaurants around the world, and her Las Vegas resume includes time, I believe, in the kitchens of Julian Serrano, Jean-Georges Van Gerichten, also Nobu. I think it was Nobu in Vegas. We're about to find out. I first met her when she was the corporate chef for Downtown Project, which I think was when they still kind of hated me or at least distrusted <laughs> me a bit. Um, yet she was always quite gracious, and I fell in love with her spiced nuts. I mean, the one she offered mm. at the now shuttered perch <laughs> in downtown Container Park. Um, I enthusiastically have followed her career from Rooster Boy Granola to the old Rooster Boy Cafe oh, in Desert Shores. I miss it. When the Review <laughs> Journal asked me to do a feature on Chefs to Watch a few years back, she was on that very short list. At that time, she was already planning a concept called Bodega Bagels, inspired by one of my favorite neighborhoods on earth, kinda, New York's Lower East Side. And she eventually brought that Bodega Bagels concept to the Vegas Test Kitchen on East Fremont Street, where it got, was a huge hit among the early morning crowd. I was thrilled after all of that to get a press release last week announcing her partnership with the Lev Group to bring Bodega Bagel no S there, Bodega Bagel, to Henderson. And that's when I told her she needs to come on the show. Yes. And where else to record it? If we, She doesn't have a store yet, so where <laughs> else are we going to record it than in my favorite strip bagel place, the only place on the strip that I will order a bagel, which is, in fact, Sidel's. So that's where we are. That brings us up to date. I am speaking, of course, about Sonia El Noal. Sonia, how are you? Was that a good intro? That was fantastic. Exhausting. Good job. Thanks. It was. That's it was how long. much I love you. Oh, I love you, that too. That is how much I love you. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm happy. I'm well. Um, I've had a year to recuperate from Rooster Boy and create what I like to do. And I'm excited about Bodega Bagel. It's amazing. Rooster Boy. First of all, did I get all your backstory right there? Yeah, but uh, the I actually here in Vegas only worked for, uh, I had Rooster Boy and I worked at Red Rock. Oh. And that's it. And so Jean-Georges. And Julian Serrano was in the beginning of my career in between New York and San Francisco. Oh, okay. My apologies. All That's that. okay. Well, cool. I worked for Massa's in New York, for Julian. Really? In San Francisco. Oh, very cool. And then Lafayette for Jean-Georges along with JoJo's and Vong. 
Wow. So all of that fine dining background, and then you get to Vegas, and you said you worked at Red Rock, but then you get brought into DTP, Downtown Project, as it Correct. was at the time, right? And right. actually, maybe before the perch, you were actually, you did the food program at that little convenience store that they were running there, right? No? Didn't, didn't DTP yeah, own so that little... So DTP, yes, we did, uh, no, I think we did the perch first, then we did the market. Okay. And then the oh, market, yeah, the market was kind of, I mean, it was a great idea, but it didn't follow through because of the neighborhood and the area. I don't think it was the right time at all, but, you know, we did it. It was fun. Cool. Uh, what was it? So moving from fine dining into doing this more approachable cuisine, doing something a little hipper with DTP, getting into literally the crunchy granola <laughs> sphere by doing a granola brand. Uh, did you just get tired of all the formality of the fine dining world or you just I, wanted to... I think for me, like starting my career early in fine dining was really where I got most of my training between doing apprenticeships in France or working in the fine dining room and really enjoyed my fine dining time. If you will, it was like my school and education for complete understanding of product and how things should be. And I think it instills in you this kind of, you know, whether it's a bagel or whether it's a filet mignon, it doesn't matter. It's like the product has to be good. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I like... I like using amazing ingredients and being able to do it that way and relaying it to a more casual service. So I love all of it. Listen, I love food <laughs> and I love the kitchen and I love being in there. So, now, but I'm sorry, I'm grateful for that education I had. Have you always done baking and pastry? Uh, I always have done baking and pastry. And then I started cooking more and more. I didn't like cooking on the line, the same piece of fish. I didn't find that interesting for me. Um, that's why I did pastry in the restaurants. I was pastry chef at Nobu in New York, down on Hudson. It was super, it was amazing. I had a lot of fun. Morimoto was there at the time, and it was really great. And I think the, the fun part of doing desserts in a restaurant is what you could take from all the ingredients of the restaurant to make it, to make a really delicious dessert that, complements the meal right right um so you are doing bagels now we're going to talk a lot about bagels yes. how did you get into cooking bagels? so uh when i was 26 or 27 so a little over 30 years ago <laughs> i lived in um belgium and i really missed bagels and at the time in europe no one had bagels it was like a big deal to have a bagel <laughs> so one day i decided hey you know what i'm going to open a coffee shop so I did. I opened a place called uh, The Spoonful Diner, and I started making bagels because I missed bagels, and also because I thought the way Europeans were eating bagels was a problem. They would eat it with a fork and a knife. They would cut it. I was like, dude, yeah. what are you doing? What is happening? Right what is now? happening here? And they, the salmon, they mock us. Yeah. They, I was like, the salmon goes on the bagel the cream cheese don't eat it all separate <laughs> oh, and that's how it started and so are you treating like the salmon as a side dish <laughs> yeah and the bagel like they're, they're eating it the salmon you know, was their entree and the I don't know. cream cheese yeah. was the side and it was the no it wasn't good so oh, then man. that's how it all started and then i just uh fell in love with making bagels and i and i love new york i'm a diehard new yorker and i'm nostalgic to my time in new york and I really was paying homage since then, I think, for the bagel. And then that's how it worked out. 
So I should mention, because we're digging into the bagels here at Sedell's, and Sedell's is an interest. I always want to talk about this bagel tower mm-hmm. here, which we're kind of getting in pieces, but we've we're, destroyed we're all of it. We've, we've dug into it. But um, it's the very definition of the deconstructed yes, bagel tower. Yes, we have tower. deconstructed the crap out <laughs> yes. of this bagel tower. But um, I have to say, no pretty pictures of this bagel tower. We'll get one from PR. But um, I have to tell you guys, this is, and I made this argument so many times when I was at the RJ and at other papers. They, The bagel tower, I didn't see the menu. It's usually about $100. I think for this bagel tower and people are like, Oh my God, this is like the epitome of Vegas, a hundred dollars for bagels. I, w- I want to go on the record again and say, I think it is a bargain and a hundred dollars for this, their bagel tower because it comes with three types of fish. It comes yep. with six bagels, comes with all the accoutrements. It comes with the ba- the dill. I'm sorry, the dill, the capers, the, the cucumbers, the tomatoes, all that kind of shit. Definitely enough that, you know, you could, feed six people in a pretty big way yeah. on that in a gorgeous setting off of the conservatory uh, Bellagio overlooking the pool like in one of the you know prime spot of Las Vegas real estate you bring five people in here you kick in 20 bucks a pop for a fucking bagel tower that is a, a bargain and you got one to take home and bring back to the room I'm yeah. sorry that is, is, is <laughs> that's that a good price deal. did I get the price right there you're looking at the menu um, yeah. what? I can't find yes it. but we can't find is it, it is it oh. it might be on a separate Maybe on a separate thing. Yeah. But anyway, man, I just, I love, I, I love their bagels here. And this is the only place on the strip. You know, we have a bagel list on, um, on Neon Feast and there are very few places that, that are, are on it to begin with. Cause mm-hmm. not a lot of great bagel places in Las Vegas. This is the only place mm-hmm. on the strip that made it. I think they do fantastic bagels. Um, but when you decided to do bagels in Las Vegas and to open Bodega Bagel, I know you've been doing it since you were yeah. overseas, but was it because there were no good bagels in Vegas? Um, it was because of the pandemic. We couldn't do table service anymore. And I mean, table service sound is the wrong terminology. Sorry. <laughs> we couldn't do the restaurant. So we became a grocery store and I started baking. Mm-hmm. And I really went, I think, into, I think I went into this like baking madness and <laughs> I would have so much fun baking tons of things. And I said, fuck it, I'm going to start making bagels. And so I always knew that but I wanted a bagel shop. So Bodega Bagel, bagel was created and that's when it started. Now you say it's. Insp- I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say that that pandemic version of things was great for us. They delivered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so when and where did you live on the Lower East Side? 1982. I lived on Clinton and Stanton. Okay. And it was not a pretty sight, but it was so exciting to live there, and I loved it. Yeah, I mean, because I was in New York in the 90s, and I was an East Village guy, which mm-hmm. you know, right over from the Lower East yeah. Side, and it was really <laughs> when I was leaving New York then the Lower East Side was kind of coming up a little bit. But, uh, like, you only went to the Lower East... You only really crossed over right <laughs> over into the Lower East Side out of the village um, for two things. <laughs> and they both come in little tiny baggies, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're both white powders. We don't, um, will not, you know, I will okay. not comment on oh this my. one. <laughs> oh, you know, the deal. We're literally... I mean, I could probably still find you bodegas in the Lower East Side where like you would just go in and say three Coke and you know, you give them your $60 and they'd slide you three, literally over the counter. They just sold it to (laughs) you. It was done very well. There you go. Uh, You're all down there. I was at the Upper East Side or well, the shittiest place in the nicest neighborhood, you know, walk up over a hardware store on Third (laughs) Avenue Mm -hmm. and And there was a... And what cross street? 75th. Okay. There was a French steakhouse on that corner but there was also a a, 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 Korean bodega grocery store and I would 
always was working early from the house on the computer, and I would go down there at six or so and get a bagel that had cream cheese already on it that had, had been wrapped up. Yes, I thought, yes. they're coming from some commissary somewhere and all that. And then one night I'm rolling in at about two, and the guy on the overnight shift, the grandfather of the family, who spoke no English at all, but he sort of recognized me from all that, he's down there in the corner slicing the bagels by hand, got a butt going with about an a- inch and a half of ash <laughs> on it as he's slapping that cream cheese on and wrapping them up. That's New a flavor York. I haven't had before. I said, yeah, okay, enhanced uh, Korean goodness. <laughs> but that, look, the New York bagel, that is it. You know, I did some... Yeah, it was a great bagel, by the way. Yeah, Wherever they got it. Every bagel in New York is great. Every single bagel practically in New York <laughs> yeah, is great. I... It's one of those weird things. Um, you know, I did a little internet research, and we, all the way back to Arabic cookbooks in the 13th century, but really Poland around 1610, the first recorded note of a bagel. Um, it was definitely um, Jews in Poland were known mm-hmm. for really popularizing the bagel. But really, in the 20th and 21st century, it's always been associated with New York City, mm-hmm. where it's not just Jewish delis, it's not no, just delis, it's just a staple of yes. eating yeah. bagels. And for I was a suburban Gentile in New Jersey, 100 miles away growing up. We first heard about bagels when my parents visited the Catskills, I think, or someplace with a large Jewish population. We later discovered Lender's frozen bagels, probably oh, right. like yeah. the 70s or the 80s when yeah. Mary Lender was touring the country promoting them. But it was a long time before we ever experienced that lox and cream cheese and all these fixins that come with bagels that are just so commonplace in New York. And that's Correct. everywhere. You go into a, a help yourself deli, right, with a bad salad bar, and but, you know, they've still got the spreads and the cream cheese and the lox spreads and the mm-hmm. scallion spreads. So mm. um, I don't know, have bagels become a all-around-the-country thing now, or do you still have to go to New York for a good one, really? Well, now soon in Vegas you'll have a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I have to plug myself at yeah. least. Yeah. Um, but no, I think that there is a whole uh, genre of bakers that are taking on the bagel across the country because... They're saying, hey, I can also make a really good bagel. And I don't, I mean, New York bagels are great, um, but I think it's okay to have them somewhere else. If, yeah. they, if they have the yeah. good chewiness and they have the good texture, I mean, it's an artisanal art, which is really what we want. So that's what I want to start with. What makes a good bagel? Is there, does it, the crust have to be a certain level of crispiness? Does it have to have a certain texture? What, what For t- me, the texture has to be uh, firm and it has a density and a chewiness to, to Yay. it. And then, you know, when it comes out, I mean, I like to seed my bagels on both sides. And I'm very generous with my seeds. We make our own everything mix. We, um, and I love the way when they come out and they smell so good, they're like, you cut it and you can hear the crunch mm-hmm. when if you toast it. I mean, there's also this whole dialogue. Toast, do not toast. Oh, I wanted to get there. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, let's let's go right into that. I was going to do a couple other things. No, no, go ahead. We'll follow your order. Toasted or not toasted? I'm a toasted girl. If it comes out hot out of the oven, I'm happy not to toast it. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. And then, because you have the crunch from the outside... However, you got to let it sit for a minute because when you cut it, it, otherwise it'll be like a little um, uh, rubber band. Ru- well, yeah. like you mush the dough, the yeah. texture. Oh of yeah, the dough. not cooked know. yet. Yeah. Well, it's cooked, but it's still hot, so it yeah. steams, you know. And when you right. slice it, but I, I like my bagel toasted, and uh, I even like my bagel toasted on both sides. Mm. I like it 
crunchy on the outside and on the inside, and it's really good. So my opinion on whether it needs to be toasted has to do with what you put on it. If okay. I'm going to put butter on it, and, and I love a good toasted bagel yeah. with butter, and mm-hmm. I like that butter to melt, mm. but I do not like a toasted butter with cream cheese. Okay. It's just, I think the... That almost like the, the little bit of toastiness, that, that jagged edge that you get from yes. the toast and the smoothness of the cream cheese, it kind of ruins it for me, right? I like it smoother that way. That's just me. But, yeah. you know, and that's what's great about bagels. We you can, can have it the way you America, want. America, <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, what is a legit bagel? Onion, garlic, everything. Those are all definitely yeah, legit. Poppy, Whole wheat, sesame. poppy, poppy, um, so that you can tell your boss that that's why you tested wrong on a <laughs> drug test, right? Yeah. I mean, wasn't yes. that a big thing in the 80s or 90s that everyone yeah. talked I mean, about? Salt. Absolutely. Salt is a very good one that yes. not too many people do. Is um, blueberry legit? Are the sweet ones legit? Well, it's not that they're not legit. I think like but you're when your I do, eyes. I know <laughs> I blueberry. It's okay for the blueberry. It's okay. I think it's more like a seasonal thing. Like I, I it would be like in the summer, you have blueberry fresh bagel blueberries as a in yes, there. as a special. Okay. You know? Um, I do cinnamon raisin. Um, I want to work on a pumpernickel once I'm in my space. Um, I want to do uh, rye, maybe. I don't know yet. But I like the classics. And Bialy, of course. Now, what's a Bialy? Well, Bialy is like the cousin of the bagel. <laughs> <laughs> but the Bialy is not boiled, and the bagel is boiled. Okay. And we're also going to make Jerusalem bagels, which are also not boiled. Interesting. But that's what they have um, in Israel. They mm-hmm. have the Jerusalem bagel, which is delicious. So it's more like in Arabic, it's called a kahke. It's kind of the same kind of bread. Okay. Ironically. <laughs> and it's with sesame and it's baked and it, mm. it has oil in it and it egg and this different dough. Now on the ba- the boiling, you got the malt vinegar in there. Is that what it is? Malt syrup? I'm not giving you my secret. No, but, oh, okay. <laughs> but, 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 but you raised because you're because you're married to somebody who makes bagels. Yeah, yeah. understand this whole process. No. Could you run through to be a bagel? It starts off as dough. Right. Has to be made into a ring. Right. Well, you, like you a ring shape. A lot of proofing. A lot you of proofing. Proof it. You, uh-huh. you shape it. You let it rest, and then you make the hole. Like some people do it, like one long piece, and then they tie it around their hand, mm-hmm. and then so it's like a. Mm. You yeah, I've the seen ring. that. A bracelet. Uh-huh. Other people, yes, a bracelet. Um, and then other people do it with the hole, and then we stretch it out and let it rest. So. Okay. And then so you and let then it you rise. Have to boil it. Then you have to boil it. You For have it to be a bagel, to it. it has to be boiled first. Correct. And the people that, I mean, different places do just bake it, and that to me is not a bagel because the texture comes out very differently. So you boil it, but then you bake it. Correct. Okay. Yes. You must boil it. And That's what you gives you that it. texture on the outside. And also the texture on the inside. Okay. The chewiness. I think you lose the chewiness when you don't boil a bagel. Just going straight to the other. Right. And, and so then, a couple of the nation's most successful bagel franchise places don't seem to boil it. No, but they're also like, you know, not legit. No, they're I mean, hideous. They're awful. I feel like they're not <laughs> representing the real New York bagel. You no, know what I mean? There's some sort of Midwestern uh, Kansas yeah, City uh, <laughs> generic uh, Americanized crap. Look, you know, it's, they, they figure it's round and it has a hole in it. And it's, it's made out of bagel. dough. It's yeah. a bagel. That's Let's all they, they need. Correct. A gazillion dollars. It, it, yeah, and that's okay. See, that's Power what's so them. funny because people always say, 
well, you leave New York, you can't get a good bagel. And then there was this myth forever that just like with Something the pizza, the that it was all about the, the water. water. <laughs> and, you know, that myth has been so debunked in the pizza world by all of my friends. And, you know, yes. John Arena, who will go to New York and enter New York competitions, but he'll bring, he'll, you know, use Vegas water and just still kick, prove yeah, just to <laughs> kick their asses. Um, there's no magic. To, and by the way, I think New York City tap water is the best tap water in the world. I loved it. You know, I never started drinking bottled water till I live here. Right. But you can cook with other people's water, right? Correct. Correct. <laughs> so it's really, when you go other places, it's not, and it's not good when you're in LA and it's not good, or you're in wherever in the Midwest, yeah. and it's not good. It's not because of the water. Don't be smirched their it's H2O. About, they don't know what they're the doing. Technique. Right? It's about, yes, it's about the recipe, the technique, the way you take care of the dough. It's also about the artisanal touch, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not machine made. It's not this mm -hmm. like pump it out. 18,000 bagels that are coming on a little strip. Right. Know? So. Well, yeah, and that's what's <laughs> interesting. People always refer to, you know, baking as being so much more of a science and less of an art than, than savory cooking. I think it's both. I think but, it's definitely both. Yeah. For sure. I mean, there's less room for error in baking. Mm. Like, you get your measurements off just right. It's you know, just yes. a tiny bit. It's not a question of it not tasting exactly right. the same. Right. It's a question of it not becoming a bagel. Right. right? And texture. Tex a huge... Yeah. Uh, shift in the texture. So what's the uh, the logistics of Bodega Bagel? Do you going to make them all there and we sell them until you're done like a donut shop? Or well, we're going to, so we are going to be a bagel shop and a restaurant. We'll be open 7 a.m. to 5 p.m., seven days a week. We have a beautiful menu. I brought it to give you a peek so you Ooh, can cool. look at it. Any old Rooster Boy uh, specials on there like shakshuka? Oh. Uh, shakshuka is on here, and it'll be served with the Jerusalem bagel. Ooh. And uh, we are um, doing some really cool stuff. We'll have a to-go menu, and then we'll have a catering menu, which will launch a little bit after we open. Uh, I, I want to have my team be tight and strong before we take on the catering, but we will do that as well. There's, these are looking great. Like, I love you've got hot pastrami or a Reuben available Ooh. sandwiches. Roast, like, and then I see some of the other sandwiches, like the roast turkey breast and the brisket. And when I lived in New York, every sandwich I ever ate, probably for the 10 years I lived in New York, 98% of them I ate on bagels. Oh, I yeah, cool. Home. Like, to yeah. me, yeah, and or so, from a deli. It was yeah. just like, put it on an everything bagel. Yeah. That, so will these sandwiches all be available on bagels? Sure, if you want. You okay. can ask. Um, we will have challah bread also. And um, mm -hmm. so, as you see, you have the breakfast section, yeah. the bagels and platters. And we even feature the shop so that you can buy things to take. And if you want to come into the shop and buy something to go, you totally can. And, yes, yeah, so we'll be making bagels. And... I estimate, I mean, I'd love not to run out, but it would be, we'll see, I, I have to see how much we sell and how many people come in and, and buy a few dozen bagels and the whole schmear. And I want and people schmears, to do that. That's the thing. Yeah. See, you have we a are, lot of schmears on there. Yes. We haven't even touched on that about we, the toppings. We, for bagels. Right. We haven't even gotten to the schmear. Right. So <laughs> when you when you order a bagel, we should talk about what are the best toppings to put on it, right? Because it started off, you know, you discovered like cream cheese goes great on a bagel and then oh, lox and cream cheese go really yeah. good and then red onions go really good yes. with that and some capers yeah. and all this. But then when, it wasn't until I lived in New York that the whole schmear thing, yeah. which is really not just a schmear or, you know, sliding some cream cheese across the bagel, but these cream cheese infused cream yes, cheeses exactly. right that's what yeah. schmear so, generally is correct so for the shop section i have different schmears and even for our menu we have schmears here 
but uh, basically I've already decided like the what would go on each bagel sandwich. But if somebody wants to try a schmear from the shop, we totally would serve them. And how many schmears are you going to be doing? All right, let me look at my menu. Okay. <laughs> and what are they going to be? Okay, so we have plain, we have chive and scallion, smoked salmon, horseradish, vegetables, strawberry, yes. tofu, and tofu scallion. And then we're going to have um, the homemade gravlocks that we have. The oh, smoked I love your salmon. Thank you. I miss your gravlocks. S- salmon pastrami, <laughs> sturgeon, sable, smoked tuna, mackerel, and herring. And, you know, it was, again, like... We do I remember, have also fish eggs, so we're doing I want to talk yes. to you about that, because you put the, the wasabi-infused oh bico on that, and yes. I had... I it's discovered called that, Hudson River. I discovered that years and oh, years ago, I and I used to put it on much. oysters, right? Yes. So I'd get oysters Oof. the place down the street from me, and we'd have a little jar That's of the tobiko caviar, and yes. it was awesome. And then, like... That's such a good idea. I hadn't seen tobiko caviar in, in, in years... I'm mean, sorry, wasabi tobiko is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Wasabi-infused tobiko. Yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't seen that wasabi infused tobiko for years until I went into Vegas Test Kitchen and you were putting it on your bagels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was putting it on a specific sandwich called Hudson River with the whitefish salad. Yes. There's no cheese. It's just the whitefish salad, the t- wasabi tobiko, tobiko wasabi and scallion. And I put a touch of microgreen and that's it. So you how do they make that? Do they fish. just take the, take the fish eggs and just infuse it, infuse with, it wasabi. with wasabi? Just let it soak up all that beautiful horseradishy mm-hmm. kind of pop that the and wasabi it's root has so good on the white fish it's also could be great on eggs it could be good on so many things cool. yeah. so quick question how easy is it and i know rich thinks it's easy probably because his wife does <laughs> it, but how easy to make bagels at home is this like a intra- entry level home cook an advanced home cook somewhere in between to be I able to figure think- it out I think it's totally okay to make them at home. If you, you just have to have patience and the time and to follow through and, you know. Yeah. I've, and I've, and also don't be attached to the size of the hole. I know that sounds really funny. <laughs> <laughs> However. Wow. There's my motto. Uh, I'm going to get a t-shirt with that on it. I think I just report straight to HR. And, don't be attached to the size of the hole. Because when you are buying manufactured bagels, the holes, those bagels are in a special tray that keeps the, the yeah. shape of it. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing artisanal uh, bagels they don't always the whole sometimes closes mm-hmm. sometimes is a little weird it's not perfect and yeah. that's what i mean by and that. that's what makes it yeah. beautiful exactly i like things that are not perfect in that sense i've watched it happen you're gonna at home. love me yeah <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it is time it is attention to technique and doing it that way every time mm-hmm. and and yeah the patience the proofing set the clock and then go do it don't not don't yeah. wait, D- don't go too soon. Yeah. There's that window in there. That How long is, does it take? It's a day and a half. Okay. Yeah. Oh, she d- does a day and a half? Yeah, I mean, she lets them go overnight. Mm. And then How long does it take you? Well, it depends. I mean, for me, when I started making them at Rooster Boy, I was, um, I don't let it proof overnight. We make the dough, we let it proof. So it's like three hours Okay. from beginning to end. So that was a one or two in the morning start? To do that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. See, that's, that's overnight. That's, yeah. I was going to say, better to do that at 10, 11 at night, or 9, 10 at night, and then go to bed, <laughs> and then get up early. Um, so where is your space going to be in Henderson? We are going to be on um, 
Eastern and St. Rose. Eastern Whoa. and St. Rose. I used to live you over there. 850,000 mm-hmm. other too. things at Very Eastern cool. and St. Rose. Correct. <laughs> when are so, you looking to open? I'm hoping that we can open beginning September. We don't have an exact date yet based on a few variables, but so we'll have a, we'll have a better date soon. Cool. Well, we have to get to the news. We're going to take a quick break. Okay. You want to stick around and do the news with us? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> okay. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. And it is time for a lightning round of the news. First, a quick congrats to our friend Steve Young. The chef who almost single-handedly put Edge Steakhouse at the Westgate on the map has returned to the Westgate after doing some ass-kicking work at El Salito Posto. Not sure exactly what his new position in. He tells me he's not quite ready to do press. He's still settling in. So I'm hoping to have him bring us up to speed as soon as he's ready for that. Whatever he, whatever he is now doing, <laughs> I know that this is great news for the Westgate and for Barry Manilow fans. Yes. Right? Ooh, so yeah. Awesome. Pine Dining, we already spoke about earlier in the show, but just a quick reminder that this weekend, August 6th and 7th, will feature a trio of chefs on Saturday with Colin and Mags from Fuku Burger joining forces with the Thai and 80s, Dan Coughlin, and actually the um, the Milkfish. Who did you say you went to the bakery? Uh, from? Josh from Milkfish, yeah, I, think I think, was he's, the one who gave us our desserts, yeah. I think he's also doing dessert for these guys this weekend. I think weekend. so. And actually, why bother telling you about that? Let's just let um, Dan tell you about it. Colin from Fuku called me and said... Um, do you want to collaborate on an event? And I said, sure. Well, I took 24 hours to think about it. And then I said, sure. But I still didn't even know what I was getting myself into. And obviously then Pine Dining, he talked about it. And my wife and I love Mount Charleston anyway. So um, we all sat down and I think we came up with the Asian glamping theme uh, just to give us like a direction and yeah. Um, I'm going to do a dish. I'm going to do our Wagyu um, picanha steak that I, I serve at 8 East that a lot of people don't know about. But I'm also making like a sauce. I'm calling it a Thai chimichurri, putting it over um, over the steak. That's more like a Latai uh, sauce. And then we decided to collaborate on, on a fresh spring roll wrap, which I think is going to be fantastic to start start it off and then i believe colin and megs from fuku wanted to do their version of like a lamb chop a lollipop lamb chop uh with like a homemade chili oil and then josh from um milkfish him and his wife are doing some desserts so we're kind of putting a little pressure on everyone a little bit so it's not so heavy up there i mean off-site cooking is pretty intense and then also on Sunday, Sam Marvin of Echo and Rig will be cooking up there on the mountain. So there you go. That's what we got going on. Carver Steaks announced a new local special. This is called End of Summer, Eat Your Way to Labor Day. Three courses, 80, uh, three courses and a beverage, $90 to show your Nevada ID. Start. Uh, it's a knife and fork Caesar salad, lobster bisque or shrimp cocktail, filet mignon or Faroe Island salmon. Dessert, you have the options of warm cookies or a, a butterscotch sundae with a sparkler. Yes, who doesn't And uh, a beverage. Uh, get a glass of champagne, a Singapore sling. I like that Singapore sling. I knew yeah. you did, Rich. I uh, know, because I, the one I had in Singapore at Raffles was so hideously <laughs> fuck awful. I had it not until I had the one at Resorts World at Carver's Steak that I realized there could be a good Singapore. 
Singapore <laughs> sling. Okay, so I think that sounds like a solid deal, man. 90 bucks, you can get into Carver Steak. Great place. Everybody's mm. talking about it. Um, by the time you hear this podcast, Ghost Bar will be open for business once again atop the Palms. The first toast was held Wednesday night. And the culinary lineup has been announced for Life is Beautiful, and there will be lots of big-name restaurants and chefs participating. If you have a GA ticket, that's general admission, you can once again enjoy Justin Kingsley Hall's cookout area, which will be hosting live fire cooking demos by the teams from all three of Jose Andreas' local spots, as well as the Whiskey in the Wilderness crew. Good Pie's Vincent Rotolo will be curating an all-star pizzeria featuring the creations of Carmine's Pizza Kitchen, Metro Pizza, Old School Pizzeria, Pizza Forte, and Pizza Rock. And Secret Burger's Jolene Menino will once again be organizing the Omakase Cantina, which will offer intimate, separately ticketed meals by Nicole Prisone at Brezza and Barzazu, Gina Marinelli of La Strega and Harlow, and Alan Mardonovich from Momofuku. You mean I have to choose between Nicole Brisson and Gina Marinelli? No, just go no, to just go to all just of go them. To all, all, <laughs> go to all Break of out them. the Have we not babe. met? There you go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one last story. Fresh from my overcrowded inbox today, the D has announced a new restaurant called Bacon Nation. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, some people just love bacon on bacon. And if you're one of those yes. people, this is going to be you for you. It's, it's located it's, on the second floor, up with the Sigma Derby machines and that Canadian-themed hockey <gasps> Bar. I love that derby. Yeah. I love the Sigma Derby. That I got stories about. Um, it'll be open 24 hours a day. As the name indicates, it's all about the bacon. They're promising, I think, 14 variations of house-cured bacon with flavors ranging from lemon pepper to brown sugar, teriyaki, Cajun, jalapeno, buffalo, sea salt, vinegar, <laughs> applewood bourbon, truffle, and chocolate dipped. Honestly, I'm for, never gonna leave. See, I'm like chocolate dipped bacon. Pick your yes. three favorite yeah. and do it. Best would be better for me. But yeah. I'm just not a member of the church of bacon as much as other. Oh, people see, are. I host something called the Epic Bacon Brunch, so this is right up my alley. You're gonna love it, <laughs> Chef Josh Green. He's a veteran of skinny fats and greens and proteins. He's helming that. In addition to bacon flights, yes. the menu will offer sandwiches and boozy shakes. I, um, I'm happy to have another 24-hour joint on that end of the yeah, street experience. Absolutely. All due respect to. Uh, um, Siegel's 1941 at El mm -hmm. Cortez. It's good to have something else to sit down Absolutely. at yeah. over there. So look for that one this fall. And that is about it for this episode of Food and Loathing. Thank you to our guest, especially Sonia El Nawal. Woo! Thank hey. you. Thanks for having me, everybody. Everybody else that we chatted with during the news and all that, thank you guys for being part of it. Big thanks to Gemini for co-hosting again this week. You can read her work at offthestrip.com and onthestrip.com, and you can follow her on social media at Wishbone and Vine. Thanks tell, for having me. Tell a friend about food and loathing. What's wrong with you if you haven't done that yet? Spread the word <laughs> on social media. Just search for Food and Loathing, and if you have a question, reach out direct info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, again, why not? Download the Neon Feast app and use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whenever you want it, you'll find it at Neon Feast. And if you're more about the laptop than the phone, just head to neonfeast.com. And look, if hearing my voice ain't enough, you're going to have to see me and see how silly I look. Tune in to the CW Las Vegas every other Wednesday morning at approximately 8.15. If you're hearing this on the Friday it's dropped, it'll be next Wednesday morning. Also, yeah, I finally bit the bullet and I'm on TikTok. Oh, oh. you did it. So, yes. So not under my name, but if you folks want to follow um, at Neon Feast Guide or at Food and Loathing Podcast, we've already been popping TikTok videos up there. Perfect. You, you got those nice slow motion videos.
those where somebody deep fries something, then puts five sauces on top? You just gonna, um, it, rather that than seems... me tell you what's on my TikTok channel, you could oh, go look at my TikTok channel. Apparently, to? you're watching other people's videos. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, you don't use the baby talk. Over voiceover things, I, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, uh, catch us on radio the way God intended sound to be done. Uh, the Neon Feast update on the Vibe. 99.7 in Vegas, 98.1 on your way to Barstow, and 98.9 down there in Laughlin. And I'm hoping to have another new radio gig to announce shortly. More on that next week. Yeah. Until then, with producer Rich Johnson, Samantha Gemini Stevens, and Sonia El Noir, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Yay.